so when I talk like this, it sounds really stupid, so we're going to edit that out. (laughs) (laughs) This is Queen Speaking. What's the difference between a boss and a queen? When you're a queen, you're owning every aspect of your life. From work, to money, to relationships, there are no boundaries. You can't pause who you are. The challenge is how to own it. What makes you, you? We're in this together. Let's break out of our comfort zone and learn the tools to rise to our own potential. Hit your goals, then set the bar higher. Ready to join us? This is Queen speaking. I'm Brianna. And I'm Sid. Hey, Sid. Hey, Brianna. What's up? Not too much. I'm feeling really good. The sun is out. I'm ready for everything I feel like. Just like throw it at me. I'm ready for it. May. It's coming. It's going to be May. I I <gasps> think that meme is so good. I never get tired of it. I've been seeing all the stuff on Twitter like, don't post that stupid meme just because it's going to be May. <laughs> I laugh so hard every time I see it. Every time. I think it's because Justin Timberlake's face in the meme. Yeah. Like, is my face in my head all the time. <laughs> and so when I see it, it makes me so happy. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> so it's going to be May. <laughs> it is. Um, birthday month. Woo! Big three oh coming at you. Yeah. Woo! Ready. I think you are ready. I'm really excited to celebrate this day. I feel like I'm going to wake up and it's just going to be a whole new... Like, I just want to, like, shed my layer mm-hmm. as a... Your like 20-something a, layer? My 20, 20 years of snake skin. Just get rid of it. Yeah. I think that'll be gross, but good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Spa day, self-care. I actually took the day off. Good. So I feel like that's something that everybody should do. Consider that. I hear that all the time. And sometimes I'm like, but do I want to take the day after off? But I'm not, like gonna rage usually on my birthday so i feel like having a full day that's just for you and it's also your birthday is Mm -hmm. actually the way to go it is it's necessary and it's it's been a a, quite a time yeah i've I've been a little bit stressed as uh we could probably tell in all of my updates (laughs) i feel like every time i'm like well This is what's going on. Here's what's up, guys. You know what's interesting, though? I think the updates are good because it helps keep us on track, but it also is that, like, duel of, like, oh, my gosh, let me add something else to work on. Mm -hmm. So I feel like we might need to challenge ourselves to work on one thing consistently for a number of weeks because then we can just stick with one thing versus throwing things at ourselves well, I feel like I'm always kind of conscious of specific things that I'm working on. Oh, and, yeah. And in this mental state that I'm in, self-care is definitely, like, of the top topest priorities. Mm-hmm. But I agree. I think, I think internally I have been in that state of mm-hmm. consistently working. But you were that way with your budget. Oh, that's true. That's a that's a good point. And You're it's right. like if you didn't have something to share, then you didn't share it. Yeah. And it's like same thing with me. It's like You're I'm still, still stressed, guys. <laughs> Update. (laughs) Update. It's still happening. But I think you're right. Like, talking about the umbrella topic of self-care and, like, then you're adding what is – either you're you're figuring out what is helping you get to, like, zero again. Yeah. And, like, finding those things that fit in. So you're like, let me try this. If that didn't work, let me try something else. But the overarching theme is always self-care. Yeah, because – 
I think the thing that I need to consider most of the time is like, what do I want? Mm -hmm. That's always the question that exists within my self-care regimen. Mm -hmm. What do I want? What do I need? And until I'm asking that question and it becomes second nature, I kind of always have to... Because I think self-care is like a nebulous thing. It exists in so many different capacities for different people. And so that's how I have to translate it to my own life. Mm -hmm. And so for my personal to like fill it in um i did a yoga class that i had missed like the entirety of the last month because of meetings and things just every time i had the class scheduled on my calendar it was like "Ooh, this is the only time we can meet and i was like shoot but no (laughs) so i had to like rework my schedule i was also kind of working in this new um strength training Mm -hmm. routine to also prep for hiking season which i'm very excited about but i had time on Friday to go to yoga and it was like a reset button mm-hmm. and I realized how actually important it is for me to do that because it's like I I walk into it with my like racing brain mm-hmm. and I'm like I only got an hour I have this this and this to do and kind of get in this like chaotic I have things to do mode and the minute that I'm on the mat for 20 minutes that's when everything shifts yeah and my brain shuts off and i get into the like in the zone and it's probably because for 20 minutes we do sun salutations and it's like it's like meditative yeah right and so it was just a really nice break to to just breathe and let my brain shut off for a bit because it gave me like that is exactly what I need to feel like back to center. And that's so good that you know that because I know that you've said in the past that yoga was always good because it someone was telling you what to do and like so you didn't have to do the work. I mean your mm-hmm. body was doing the work, but you didn't have to like come up with the next thing. Like someone was kind of setting the stage for you. And even with your strength training, I feel like for the program that you're using for the most part does do that, but it's a totally different environment. You're working on something completely different overall. And so to it's know that so fast paced. Yeah. And like to know that like even when it's it's similar in the sense of someone or something telling you what to do, but knowing that like that specific activity is what's going to like bring you down a little bit and like help you clear your head is something that's like that's another step in that like right direction of being like okay this is something I can put in the keep box of this is what helps me come back to center a little bit yeah and the requirement of once a week I think is it's officially a necessity yeah after having that moment I was like okay I realize how important this is for the day-to-day, especially after having gone so long without having done it. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. What about you? So I think we talked about this during our time management episode, the time log, Mm -hmm. and you were very good at that. I again not as good at it as like logging my time because it's it's this sounds dumb but it's time consuming to log your time because you're being very conscious of like when you start something when you stop something like what breaks you're taking what you're doing during those breaks like all of those things but what has helped me so I'm attempting to start it again because I find that like mindlessness but for the wrong reasons is part of my problem with productivity. So I find that like 
if I'm about to attack a new project, start something new, like I know we've talked about that, like set and release tension, set intention, but that requires like sitting. And so I think I've needed to figure out instead of scrolling my phone or like rustling papers or doing like the thing that takes two minutes in between the thing that takes like 50 minutes, I need to really look at the log and see where all of my time is being spent. And so I started this um, like a few days ago and so far it's going well because I'm so conscious that I'm having to do it, that it's helping me like stay on top of things, but also setting in those breaks of not like social media breaks, but actual like sit for three minutes and like breathe for three minutes and then get back to the next thing feels like so much longer than three minutes which Mm -hmm. is great because when I'm scrolling my phone for 10 minutes it feels like it was like no time so it's like this weird mental game as well so I'm excited to be um, and I won't do this for too long I think it's just one of those things that helps me be like okay this is where my time suck is happening and this is where I'm like getting super off track um so I'm excited to to see how that shakes out. I think I'll probably do it for like four or five days. Yeah. And I think what I, and if we go back to like my personal learnings from that exercise, because I already kind of was in the habit of blocking time on my calendar, mm-hmm. but to actually sit down and like, as you're doing stuff, writing down, like I sat on social media, like I got distracted and was on social media and keeping a really rigorous look at your week it does a really good job. And if you do it for the full week time frame, it's really reflective of those moments where you're like, oh, I'm seeing where I'm faltering. Or I'm seeing that like it takes me a lot longer to do this type of task than I anticipate. And mm-hmm. so I need to a lot more time for that. Yeah, And I feel like that's the best part about it. It's like it seems tedious, but the reality is that you just have to do it for a week and then you're going to be so much more productive after the fact because you'll be able to identify those moments of like. What's like taking part of your day. Yeah. In in a negative way. Yeah. And that's what like, I feel like I mindlessly pick up my phone so often and as just like an escape from like, let me just take a brain break. But that's not a brain break. I mean, I'm still fully conscious, even if I'm like just mindlessly scrolling, like it's not helping me. The brain break is actually breaking. Yeah. And like sitting and resting and breathing. And yeah, so I agree. I'm going to try to attempt it for the week. um, And I'll do a check in after the fact um, on social media. But I think that this will be a really good way to help me just get back to structure. And I'm I am the kind of person that needs structure, I think more than I'm willing to admit. Um, So this will be really helpful. Helpful helpful lessons to learn. Absolutely. Yeah. I did a a walk today. And the first thing that I went to go do was grab my phone. And I was like, what are you doing? You're going on a walk to rest your brain. So put your phone down Mm -hmm. and walk out the door. And like notice around you and... And it was so refreshing. Yeah, that's awesome. That's a good reminder. I mean, just things like that. Like even if I'm at the office for the day and I'm taking my three-minute brain break, like, and I think we talked about this on the meditation episode too, where I'm like more of an active rest type of person. So if I need to get up and walk away, then that's three minutes still well spent Mm -hmm. because I'll just do a little (laughs) three-minute lap and come back. And then I've done that thing where I've been able to just break and intentionally break versus mindlessly break. So that's what I got going on. Very important. Yes, yes. So uh, 
What's what's inspiring you this week? Uh, a fun little exercise in binge watching television. <laughs> My favorite activity. Not mindless if it's the right show. <laughs> exactly. So we we've been in this mode here in Rochester of this questionable, never ending winter. Brutal. So we had this last like spurt of bad weather and kind of grossness and raininess and dare I say snow. Mm-hmm. And so I uh Dan and I ended up randomly I think he heard about it on some podcast that he listens to. They recommended Wild Wild Country on Netflix. And let me tell you, this show blew my mind. We watched, I think it's like five or six episodes. They're about an hour-ish plus long. And the way that it's structured, like this, they have to eventually win an award for, you know, some kind of cinematography. Wow. Because they have footage, so it's about a religious cult that, was established in India, and they moved to a tiny little town in Oregon, and it was called. They were called uh, the Rajneeshis, and just the dramatic scenario that surrounded this cult. And well, they don't claim they're a cult. They're like we're you know a big happy family of people mm. who are just like trying to like change the world and love. And they had interviews from people who were in who were part of the Rajneeshi group, hmm. and then um, people who lived in the town, Antelope, Oregon, that was right next to where they tried to establish their city. And the footage that they show of the interviews and the experience, they literally videotaped everything. Like, whoever did that yeah. is mind boggling to me yeah that you find that a lot too it's like somebody on the power trip wants everything recorded and then when everything goes wrong eventually they have all of that footage to do something like this we've got documentation yeah and so it was just one of those things that i literally never heard about it happened in the 80s and we were even texting like family members like do you remember this happening because it is so dramatic and i don't want to like ruin anything because the way that they've structured each of the episodes in the series you're like left on the edge of your seat and the people are like that's a thing about cults is that the people who run them are pretty manipulative and so yeah. they do a really good job of like identifying specific characteristics within each of the individuals and just the way that they contrast the the interviewees and the people in the town versus the Rajneeshis and um, just the dynamic and like how the government ended up coming into play. And like once someone gets in their mind, like we're going to break this situation down, it's pretty crazy. It's that, like the most dramatic reality TV show that's real. That's so good to hear because I attempted to watch the first episode of Wild Wild Country, and I think it was late, and it was an hour, and I was like kind of ready for bed. So it, in the, I think the first episode was like kind of a slow burn because there's a lot of setup that's happening. There's a lot of storytelling in that episode, and so you, I've been told you need to get past that first episode, and then it like really yeah. kind of flies from there. And I have yet to do that, so it's really good to hear that it's it's something that is like 
really, I don't want to say educational, but like it really teaches you something, not just about the cult, but about cults in general too. And like how manipulative they are. Cause I think we know that, but to see it play out so explicitly. And to have everything have been documented and yeah. people share like every piece of every part of the process was so eye-opening. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Then I'll have to add that back because I've got I, I, you know, I watch my Hulu shows, so I get through those, and I'm kind of like, what do I binge watch now? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so this can be added to my list, which next, I'm super excited about. Next on mine is Handmaid's Tale. Yes. But the best thing about Hulu, and I, I fully think that this is why Hulu edges over Netflix for me, is that they keep me... Like, oh, they keep me a week at a time. So they don't release all Mm -hmm. at once, which, like, some days I really hate, but most weeks I really love. So I'm, like, I get, like, one at a time. So I'm not up till 3 a.m. watching all of it. So, like, that is why Handmaid's Tale is, like, at the top of my list right now. Because I'm, like, I get one a week. And then I get to, like, debrief it with everybody else who watches it just one at a time. Versus, like, who watched the whole season and the whole weekend? No one or probably half the people that I talk to. But that's why I like I like Hulu. It's good stuff. Yeah. Yes. So my thing this week that is kind of very inspiring in a in a different way is there's something that um, a gentleman named Shane Snow, he wrote a book, but he created this like set of slides that's called the lateral thinking cheat sheet. And I shared it with Brianna because it was something that I think I've been working on in some way, but then to see it like put in front of me and saying like, this is what you've been working on for so long, but just haven't gotten there quite yet. So basically it's, it's the premise is that there's always a way to flip a situation and look at it either from a different perspective or from like a different industry's perspective. So what I appreciated is that it went through and talked about like, okay, this is the scenario like, how are you going to solve this problem? So, for example, one of the things the guy, the Shane, talks about is um, cutting a cake into eight slices with only doing three cuts. And I was like, oh, I can figure this out. And you're sitting there being like, oh, my God, every every scenario I come up with is going to come up with too many pieces or not enough pieces. And so, or just kind of like a really janky looking cake because I've just torn it apart. Yeah, it was like, <laughs> could you smash it? Yeah. I was like, what is the secret here? But that's what I am ended up doing was like I really overthought it to the point of like destroying it because I couldn't figure out what the solution was and like you know spoiler alert you cut it twice into four pieces and then you cut it in half like lengthwise lengthwise yeah so to get those eight slices so I was like oh my god and and Shane was saying like you just need to flip your perspective and like calmly look at it from different angles where I feel like part of my problem is that I'm not doing anything in a calm way. So, like, when someone says flip your perspective, I'm, I'm still 100 miles an hour trying to figure out what like, the answer this is. this is how I do it. Exactly, exactly. And so in this, we'll share the um, cheat sheet, but they go into different examples of people trying to solve problems, but then looking so far outside, like, their realm of reality that helps them come up with a solution. So like a team of doctors is looking at a pit crew from a racetrack saying like, how do they do that so fast? And then applying those principles to what they're doing in the operating room. And I was like, oh my God. So it really starts you thinking of how am I solving problems? How am I doing it calmly? But how am I flipping things around to look at it from different angles? And I just like, I read it and it was kind of exactly what I needed at that moment to have like a burst of energy and like 
how how do I do more things like this at work in you know in terms of the podcast in terms of my personal life like how am I how am I problem solving in a way that's effective and not like scatterbrained so that was like a huge huge game changer for me so we'll share that because I just like I can't get it I've referenced it every day since I saw it yeah Um, I think it's one of those things that it's about expanding your awareness and then asking questions mm -hmm. And, like, always looking at it from, like, well, why do we do it this way? And that changes the scope of how you're approaching the problem because the minute that you're, like, stepping away from it Mm -hmm. and looking at it from big picture status instead of, like, this is all I know. Right. You're looking at it through a tunnel. So, of course, you're just going to see what's in the scope of that tunnel. And the other example that they talked about that I loved was, like, how do you do this for, like, I think it's, like, 100 times cheaper or something Mm -hmm. like that. And they were, like, we can't afford to do this the same way, again, that we have been doing it. So how do you make it 100 times cheaper? So you kind of strip it down to what its core function is. And they're talking about a baby incubator to keep babies warm. And they're, like, that's the core function of what this thing does. So what can we create? create that still keeps babies warm and what they come up with is basically like a sleep sleeve that is insulated and Mm -hmm. keeps babies like body heat in and I was just like that's like going to the core of what you're trying to accomplish and then building out versus looking at the whole thing being like how do we raise enough money to do this thing like no but if you don't have that option anymore what are you going to do right um and they use a couple of different examples like that um that helps you really strip away the excess and really get to the the meat of the situation i just thought it was so smart and so fantastic And to have things come full circle, that's why you need to give your brain space so that you can step outside of the normal scope of how you do things to look at it from a fresh perspective. Check you out, Brian. (laughs) Really bring it at home. (laughs) But you're right. I mean, you're so right. I think if you're so bogged down with what you do all the time and the way that you do it, you have no room there's not, it's not that there's no room for error, but there's no room for anything. Like, mm-hmm. there's no room to do anything right after that either, like, or to grow or to change or to differentiate. So, yes, clearing your head is going to help you move forward calmly. It's what we need. It's what we really need. All right, Sid, give it to me straight. Today, we are talking about negotiation. Yes. negotiation in general yeah like taking a step back and being like what is it that you need in terms of personal skills to or what are you already using to be better at identifying needs wants and important factors so that you can walk into a room no matter what the situation is and demand exactly what you deserve yes yeah. But in a nice way, in an appropriate, well-prepared way. <laughs> in a way that says, I am confident, but I am respectful. <laughs> yes. We we did an Instagram poll um, around Equal Pay Day to see if people had some familiarity with uh, negotiation. And we had an, a resounding yes response from people who wanted us to cover this in an episode. So we're conquering it today for you guys. We sure are. Yeah. it's um, It's a tough topic because... I think what we're going to be able to get into today is really how many different ways negotiation shows up 
every day in multiple different areas of our lives. It's not just in the way that we get paid um, as women or as people, but just like everything that you're coming at on a regular basis takes some form of negotiation, but you don't always think of it that way because of either the way you were taught how to have a conversation around a topic or that you're just like, that. that's not what negotiation is. And mm-hmm. when you really, again, strip it down, it is negotiation. It's just the way that you're coming at it might not feel like a negotiation. And a lot of times when you are young and right out of the gate from college, sometimes it's not something that you consider. And I remember walking into the first time that I bought a car and like definitely had all my cards like laid out on the table. Yeah. And was ill prepared and definitely might have started crying because I was so nervous and had to ha- ask, ask him to walk away for a minute so that I could get myself together and Aww. be like, because it was a lot of money. I was scared. Well, and that's a lot of pressure, too, if you're, like, doing that operation solo, then... And I didn't walk into the meeting with a, like, list of things that were, you know, my non-negotiables from a car standpoint or just being well-educated and walking into the room and saying, here's what I need, here's what I'm asking for, here's what I want to get out of this. I was just like, here's the exact car that I want, and, and I will so much I'm, I'm pay willing to pay. the money for it. <laughs> Instead of, and I mean, yeah, you know the whole situation with cars, it can feel really gross sometimes, but if you know what you're doing going into it and you're prepared, then you won't fall into that trap. Yeah, I think um, just the the concept of, like, what is it that you need to consider when you're thinking about these types of conversations? And, like, how do you prepare yourself in advance mm-hmm. so that you know exactly how to handle the situation with strength and awareness? Because I feel like anytime you get caught off guard, it's because you, you're not, like, prepared for the right situation. Absolutely. And I remember that happened to me, like, what you're talking about when you were buying your first car. When I got my first job out of school, the first thing my dad asked me was, like, did you negotiate your pay? And I was like, what? No. I'm just, I'm just happy to have a job. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and I got really upset because I thought he wasn't happy for me for getting my first, like, big girl job out of of college, but what he was trying to teach me, and I was, you know, a little blinded by the light there, um, was that, like, you deserve something, and you need to know how to ask for it. And unfortunately, I didn't. So I walked in, just said, I signed the paper, I said yes, I didn't, I didn't even think about what a person in the position that I got usually gets paid, like, none of those things were even brought up. Um, so I appreciate my dad saying that now, but if I had known that, like, you don't just take the first offer given you come prepared, you talk about different things, then maybe I would have started at a different place. Yeah, and and that's a thing that's not necessarily presented when you're in the early stages of your life is that when you're walking into these types of situations, to have the right tools in your tool belt Mm -hmm. really does put you at an advantage. And unless you know that, because a lot of times you're just like, oh, I'm grateful to have a job. Oh, this is the first time that I'm applying for a car loan. I'll take whatever interest rate I'm going to get. Right. And the reality is you don't have to accept the terms. And the hardest part about that is that it takes effort to like push back on those kind of things. And if you're not prepared in the right way, then it's not going to go according to your plan. Yeah. And I think there's this like narrative that at least I've experienced. and I, I'm sure other people have too, where you just don't want to be difficult. Like you mm-hmm. don't want to put anybody off. You don't want to piss anybody off. You just kind of want to like, 
let it ride the way that it's going to ride and not ruffle any feathers where you know probably by definition negotiation is is coming back with something different and and again there's a way to do that in a respectful way that that might still ruffle feathers but that's not the thing you should be scared of um for asking what you want but i know that that's a really uncomfortable place to be i think both of us tend to like err on the side of people pleasing sometimes and so in an effort to keep things as like less rocky as possible you're just like yes whatever you need yes i'll do it just just don't talk to me about it anymore. Just let's do it that way. (laughs) And you move on from it versus saying like, no, I think that this is how this should go and being prepared for that kind of confrontation. And confrontation doesn't have to be scary or bad, but it is something that might be uncomfortable. Yep. I think all of those things are valid. So let's get ready to speak at Queens. Yes. Um, I think the thing that we have to do is take a step back and think about how this comes into play in our day-to-day lives Mm -hmm. one of the things that i think about even when we were just kind of structuring how we wanted to have this conversation was even thinking about it because it's so easy again to narrow in on a super specific arena of like this is exactly where you use negotiation and here's how this is relevant to you Mm -hmm. it's like but actually wait i do this all the time Mm -hmm. on an everyday basis even just from a one-on-one friend conversation of trying to decide uh, where to go to dinner mm-hmm. for our friends' uh, night out. Yep. Or perhaps maybe it's when we're trying to plan vacations and make sure that it fits everybody's budget. Mm-hmm. So there are different ways that it's going to come into play in your life and using the th- the things that you're doing in that day-to-day to like help influence bigger picture things or like bigger impact kind of experiences is something that's really important when it's, you know, where to make appropriate compromises or if you're going to be sticking to your guns about something. Yeah. And I think figuring out like, yeah, what your what your um, moment is to say no, especially around like vacation negotiation type of thing. Like it's supposed to be a fun thing. You're all going away with your friends and yada, yada. But like being realistic about what your situation is and knowing that it might not be popular opinion to say like, hey, guys, I can't really swing that right now. And knowing that you might have to like not upset some people, but make some people uncomfortable because now you're talking about money and like that's something that we're trying to change to be a more comfortable conversation but it's still not Mm -hmm. especially when it's with your friends and they might not know what your situation is um, but really learning how to come at it from a standpoint of like I'm not mad or upset I just this is my reality and I, I need you guys to know what I'm doing and what I'm dealing with yeah I think it also comes back to having good communication skills because when you're in the seat of having to push back on your own needs, it requires some finesse mm-hmm. where you have to explain yourself in a way that will help other people understand your perspective. Mm-hmm. And that's not necessarily always easy to do. And if we're going to use the vacation example, like not everybody's rolling in dough and everybody has different perspectives on you know what's an affordable spot but if everybody has like these are the four things that are our non-negotiables for the trip of like the place has to have this mm-hmm. and it's like okay here are some options within that range right what are we looking at here's the number one here's number two here's number three everybody give their opinion right now <laughs> Immediately, so we can make (laughs) we can make this decision. Can you tell this is personal? (laughs) 
Yeah, we're using this example because this actually just happened this weekend. (laughs) um, I think that's the thing that's something to consider is that there are so many different ways where this is going to come up in your um, day-to-day life. And if you've been in a situation where you're like, well, that didn't go well the first time. Right. So how do I reflect back on um, those learnings, Mm -hmm. I suppose, and look at it from a new perspective and saying, here's exactly what we need to consider and here's the research that needs to be done to, you know, come into the room. Already done. Set and ready to go. And I think there's like, there's something about setting an expectation and saying, okay, so if you're the person that keeps saying no to something, if you're like, that's not going to work for me, I don't know about that. Like, if that is what your response is to a lot of what's coming up, then that means that you probably should take the reins a little bit on that and say like, you know what? this is what I'm coming in with and this is what my expectation is. So if you're, if you say you're super easygoing and whatever is fine, but then all of a sudden you're like, you know, crossing out six different things that someone's put forward, then you need to check yourself a little bit and say like, okay, what are my expectations? What is okay? What is not okay? And like you said, communicate that out to the group so they can hear you and make sure that someone has, has understood um, what you're com- where you're coming from on it and not you're not just trying to be negative. You're not just trying to like upset anybody, but you're really um, you now understand what your role in this needs to be. You're not as easygoing as you think you are and like and that's okay, but you need to say that to someone and have them really hear you when you say it. And as the counter to that, being on the other side of the table is saying like, what is the question that is appropriate for me to ask here of like, okay, so if you're saying that, you know, these five things are not doable for you, what are your expectations or what are the things that are important to you? Mm-hmm. And if it's like, oh, we're not on the same page, hey, it's time for us to walk away. Yeah. <laughs> well, and like, and it's so funny because we're using this vacation as an example and like what we've just done and, you know, our our team worked really well together and communicating, I think, through because we've done this for a few years now, I think we've kind of progressively gotten a little bit better about saying what are our Mm -hmm. non-negotiables. But again, like this comes into play in so many different ways. And that narrative plays out in so many different arenas, like you said. And I know that we've, we've kind of put out here a few different ones that can, can um, come up in the course of either a day, a week, a month or whatever. So I think about it. It was funny because I thought I was like, oh, this feels like, you know, a relationship where you're like (laughs) at a crossroads of like, okay, are we going to continue this? Like, what are you know, I want a family or (laughs) gets real big, real fast. (laughs) I want marriage or like I have a ton of debt that's in my name. Like, what do you do with that? (laughs) What are, how are we going to play, play the cards on this, uh, this hand here? Yeah. So there's so many different things that come into action. And I think in terms of what Sid and I do from like our day to day work lives, we've learned a lot of different things that kind of help shape this, not only from a personal standpoint, but also from a professional standpoint. And one of the pieces of just experience that I've had in my work and what I do is negotiating um, my marketing trades and sponsorship details. And those are things that actually are like the bread and butter of negotiation in a true sense is like when you're walking into a meeting 
you should obviously, number one, know who it is that you're talking to and have done research on like a little bit of the back end. And this could even be the case of like, you're meeting a new person and you don't know too much about them. Like go check out their LinkedIn page or maybe like scroll through their Instagram Mm -hmm. and know like what recent awards this person has gotten or like any kind of memorable things that you could bring up in the meeting so that you're not walking into it. Like, so tell me about your business. Because that person expects you to know something. Something. (laughs) And you don't have to be like a pro or like the encyclopedia of their business, but you need to know the things that are important as it relates to why you've set the meeting. Mm -hmm. And so being prepared, we keep saying this over and over because I think this is the, the like the bread and butter, the ultimate piece of the puzzle is that when you're walking into a negotiation setting from any standpoint is that you need to be well-researched and you need to be prepared. Yeah. And I think the biggest thing that I've learned is that you need to ask them what they need first. Mm -hmm. So when you sit down at the table, like, tell me what you're trying to do from, you know, a day-to-day basis or like, what's your biggest problem that you're trying to solve right now? And that's having them speak to you, like you get to pause and kind of sit back and hear about each one of their pain points in their business or something that they're trying to figure out or how to navigate. And then you're in the power position of saying, I know exactly what we can bring to the table. And you kind of know, because like, I think when we talk about the research side of things, there is an important piece where you're you want to be prepared in the sense that like maybe you have option A, B, and C. And so when you ask that question of, you know, what is it that your business is problem that your business is trying to solve right now? Or what is it that that you need to be doing? You know, what's your biggest goal that you want to achieve this year as a business owner or, you know, a business consultant or any, you know, from an any kind of standpoint. Mm-hmm. And thinking about what is it that I offer from my angle of the solution to that problem that you have as a business. And that is such a key point is what do I have to offer? Like a negotiation doesn't happen without two or more active parties saying what they're bringing to the table and either it's accepting or not accepting those proposals. But I think if you're the person that's stepping up to the plate to say like, this is why I deserve such and such, either your business a raise, the car, whatever it is, you have to be prepared to stand by what you're bringing and Mm -hmm. and making sure that you make that very clear, but also, again, not in a way that's like throwing it at someone at full force, but just like you have to be ready to answer questions and you have to understand what your, um, it's not like just what you're bringing to the table. It's what, what makes you stand out? What makes you different? What makes you not special in a weird way, but like what makes you one of a kind when Mm -hmm. it comes to that kind of conversation. Um, And I think, you know, from my experience in fundraising, what I do full time, it really is the research piece of it is, is so important. And, And for what I do, it's not, you're not usually coming to the table first off ready to do that, but you've been listening for maybe years to learn about what that person uh, is looking to accomplish with their philanthropy. Um, And you know something about them. You understand who they are as people because you've spent the time either getting to know them in person or utilizing the resources that you have. Um, And that's what leads up 
to that point of saying like, this is why this organization is where you want to be putting your investment. And this is why you want to invest in our students and our, you know, whatever your organization is, this is why. And it's because you've done all of that back end work to get to that point. I agree. And if there's anything I've learned, it's ask for everything because they might just give it to you. Yeah. And it's really interesting to have that be the case. But usually if you ask the question of like, you've listened, you're prepared, you've done the research, you have an idea of what it is that they might need, you ask them what they need, you know that you have the solution Mm -hmm. and you're like, here's what I'm offering you. Um, I read that it's actually really important for you in the, the negotiation if you're like asking for something that you want to be the first one to put the offer out there mm-hmm. because that's exactly what might happen. It's like don't lowball it. Right. Like put it all on the table because they might just be like, okay. Yeah. And then stop. Like put it out there and then stop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just had a conversation with someone about this uh, and he basically was like, you know, my biggest problem was always that I was – I would follow up with like an explanation for why I was asking for what I was asking for and what I've done or what the organization has done to deserve what I'm asking for. And that, I mean, if you flip the table around, if you're the person who's then getting not just bombarded with whatever the ask is, but then like all of the reasons why I'm like, why do you feel so like inclined to defend it now? Like now I feel weird and you've put me in an uncomfortable situation. So as as awkward as it might feel to just stop (laughs) after it's out there, do it anyway. And like, and wait and, and, you know, don't like do a stare down by any means, but like, Chances are that person's going to ask you some questions after that. Let them get, let them digest and get to that point. Um, and again, this this goes for I think so many different types of negotiations. Like it really does fit with so many scenarios you're going to find yourself in when it comes to really putting something out on the table and just waiting to see what someone does with it. Yeah, I feel like the other thing that comes into play is like it's not personal, it's business. Totally, totally. I think that's such a like. Even when you're asking for a raise, I think that it it you feel like it's personal because it's you and probably at most times your boss. Mm-hmm. Um, but you don't know what else is happening so far behind the scenes that that to take yourself out of it is the best thing you can do. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah. And if you're doing your research, then that's exactly the moment where it's like, again, it's not personal, it's business. I can walk away because there are other options out there. And I think that's the scariest thing to like get comfortable with Mm -hmm. is like knowing that you can walk away. But the reason why people don't lean into that like feeling or, you know, find comfort in walking away from a situation or like sitting back in silence and like letting it happen. And the minute that you like, take that away you're in power you're in control the ball's in your court Mm -hmm. and you can you know pitch to your wedding vendor exactly what it is that you want from your florist yeah and just (laughs) sit there and wait and just sit there and wait and i think like the i think the power seat kind of changes throughout the conversation sometimes too um depending on you know what you're talking about but like you're asking questions they're asking questions you're showing up in a very real way to say why it's deserved um but then they're showing up in a very real way saying like this is the reality of the situation so it's really like it is a back and forth most times either again with one or one or two people but you know always could be more than that too and if you're the one making the ask it really is your prerogative 
to be well-researched and be prepared because Mm -hmm. that's the only way you're going to be able to get what you want and walk into that room with confidence and know that you're going to get the yes. Yeah. And that's what it takes. I mean, it really takes confidence. And going in expecting it to go poorly totally messes with your mental game. Like, you might be thinking you're showing up, like, as super strong, confident, whatever. But if your mental game is already kind of knocked down because you're like, it's never going to work. Like, it's just not going to happen. You're, like, putting bad vibes out of the universe about that. It's just, yeah, and it's just a bad way to go about, I think, anything in life is to walk in with, like, some negative vibes. But especially when you're going in doing something that, first, you might not be comfortable doing at all um, or you haven't done ever, but you are prepared because you've done the work. And mm-hmm. like to to take that away from yourself at the very last second is totally doing yourself a disservice. So just my opinion. Necessary. So when does negotiation like this come into play in the workplace? Because I think it's been pretty clear that we as women have been evidenced strongly and a lot lately mm-hmm. that we make a, a strong amount less than uh, men do yeah. in the day-to-day. 78 cents to the dollar to every man, which is um, quite problematic in my mind. Yeah, and it's worse for minorities, too. Like, that scale that, yeah. goes so far down as you um, talk about women of color um, and things like that, men of color, you know, like really it's a sliding scale and it's very sad. It's interesting to me because I feel like I've heard a lot lately that it's, it has a lot to do with the fact that women don't ask Mm -hmm. in the first place, whether that's for money or for, you know, the right things that they need in their life, flexibility, benefits, etc. How is it that we can now be prepared and educate ourselves in the sense of what is it that we can do from like, you know, here's our five-step plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because <laughs> we always like to come in with a plan. <laughs> That's just the way that it is. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's helpful. I mean, I know we hate those blog blog posts that are like five ways to do this or seven ways that you can do better. But I mean, realistically, it's a very digestible way to get where you're going. So I naturally. Think, yes. And when we think about Like, we've kind of identified our own five things that are important based on things that we've experienced, things that we've heard, tips that we've heard from other people. Um, But when we we look at number one, especially when you're thinking about it from the context of, from a career standpoint, what is it that you need on a day-to-day? Number one, identify what your ideal scenario is and what would be the perfect offer in your mind. And this is all prior to the conversation. This prior. is like this is like the setup to the conversation. This is the pre-work that everybody's got to do. Yeah, this is like the the meeting is the last step just to like super sp- last step. Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> this is all the things that you have to do in advance to, to even have this conversation. I was reading through these and I was like, "Oh, I don't see in here. Oh, you must meet with them there." Or no, nope, you don't meet with them yet. And then it's literally the last step yep. is the meeting. <laughs> yeah. Because that ends up that's where you're going to be so well prepared that they're just like, "Yes, yes we <laughs> stamp of approval." We see the light. <laughs> so Thinking about this concept of your ideal scenario, that's where you have to actually think about what matters most to you. And that could be money. It could be work-life balance. Maybe it's vacation time. Is it having a more structured schedule so that you have that free time in the evenings and weekends? Or maybe you want something where you can, you know, 
you don't want structure. Yeah. And until you ask those questions of yourself, you can't really go in and, you know, make a hard line to ask for here's what I need. Yeah. And I think what we're learning now, and if you're uh, in a supervisory role listening to this, I think what we're learning, and, and we talk about this in class actually a fair amount, of more and more people aren't necessarily asking you for more money. They're asking you for more flexibility. They're asking not even for more vacation time, but being able to just take the vacation time that they have. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're in the supervisory role, not assuming that someone's coming in asking you for more money, I think, again, that mental game that you put yourself through, like, don't have any expectation except that someone's coming in to talk to you about promotion raise, but that raise doesn't necessarily like equate to more money. Mm -hmm. Um, So having that narrative kind of wiped from the slate for the first few minutes to really understand what the person is talking about first and then coming from that place, um, I think is more and more important as we see younger people asking for totally different things um, and not just just money. And that's where when you're in that position – the active listing actually comes into play really well. Hugely. Um, which we covered in a past episode. Um, but that's like taking a step back and listening to what the person is saying, because then you can frame the context, con- context of the conversation in a totally different way. And maybe it's not just one conversation, maybe it's multiple. Mm-hmm. And figuring out who are the right people to talk to and where do you escalate this and really honing in on like, I'm understanding what is most important because here's what we can offer you within that scope. Right. Um, Because sometimes you won't get exactly what it is that you want. But number two, hey, identify those Mm non-negotiables. So these are the things that you can't live without. It's the bottom line number and maybe it's the bottom line number of vacation days. And I think this is really good, like a good opportunity where you can rely on Glassdoor as an example setting for you know type of salary reference for other people in your industry other people with your experience um just having kind of like a good range where you can walk into the table of saying like i want eighty five thousand dollars because of x y and z and and i can back that up. i can back it up and i have the experience and here are the projects that i've worked on and things like that Mm -hmm. um because I found this one thing from Career Contessa that said that you could lose up to 15% in that negotiation process. So having your like max number or max, you know, specific thing that you're negotiating and then expect that you're going to get whatever 15% is less of that. So saying like, I want 85,000, but I'll take 75,000. And that's a really good, that's a great tip because I think that's the thing that no one thinks about is like, how much is the loss at the end of the day? Like what, what is expected after the fact? And I think like what you said earlier about like, ask for all of it and you might just get it. But if you still ask for all of it and you get a little bit less than that, you're probably still getting higher than you might have gone in with originally. And that's a super important scope to understand. And if you're the type of person that's like, you know, they come back and they're like, here's a counter offer and they give you an extra week of vacation. And that's like the number one thing in your list of priorities for 
what you want out of work-life balance, then in the end of the, the game, you're winning. Yeah, exactly. And I think we should say, too, if you're one of these people that it, like it's the salary that's the kind of deciding factor for you, if that's the non-negotiable, Glassdoor and something like the Salary Project from Career Contessa, they also rely on like um, user information. So if you're someone who is in a position to share what you're in, obviously no names, no nothing like that. But it's really helpful for people to have a place to start from people that are making um, what they should be. So if mm-hmm. their if their baseline is is on par with their male counterpart and things like that, like please be one of those people that anonymously shares that information because that is so helpful for people that are in maybe a position that you were in some time ago to really have um, a place to start from. So being able to share openly about that information is um, is super important. Yeah, because no one wants to be undervalued. Definitely not. And number three, our most favorite tip. Forever. Forever and ever. (laughs) Be prepared. Yes. Do the research, gather examples, whether it's metrics, praise that you've received from, you know, upper management uh, executives, other people in the industry, clients that you've worked with, awards that you might have received, money that you made the company. These are all things that come into play that have kind of the, here's what I'm bringing to the table now and in the future. Absolutely. Yeah, one of the things that I read um, from the CEO of Levo was come from a place of contribution, not need. And I thought that that was super important because one of the examples she used was saying like some people will say come up to me and be like my rent went up i need a raise i'm like okay what are you what are you doing for the company because i I don't just hand out money either (laughs) so it's it's really like important to respect the place that your boss and your company are coming from too like it's not like good behavior gets rewarded, but if you're asking for a raise, it's because of what you're bringing to the table. And just like you said, like using all of those like tool belt things of like, this is what I've raised this year. This is what I've brought to the table. This is the award I've gotten based on performance. Those are all kind of like ammo in in your pocket to say like, this is why I do deserve this raise from from my company, not just from your boss, but from your company. Exactly. And it's another reminder of maybe you need to celebrate your accomplishments and keep them in a nice little folder or document or a folder on your computer in Drive so that you can save these things and know that, especially if you have to set goals for your job, depending on what it is that you do, it's important for you to acknowledge these moments of accomplishment as they're happening Mm -hmm. so that you know exactly when... Because sometimes this moment comes out of nowhere and the opportunity presents itself. And you and so to be prepared. You need to be prepared. And if you're not, then it's going to take eight times. You're just, you're going to be frazzled and it's going to take more mental effort for you than if you had done the legwork at the moments that these things are kind of presenting themselves in that sense. Absolutely. Yeah. A Ken Bell favorite, my dad, by the way, is Ken Bell. Um, Ken Bell favorite is to have that list and do it every day. Like, what are you working on every single day? It gets tedious and it is long and it probably can get super annoying. But when it comes time to pull out the highlights, like you've got everything recorded. You know exactly what you've been working on um, for the last year, for the last six months. It's all right there. And it's one of those things, like with anything that takes preparation, it takes time and energy. But if you want to 
be ready to take that next step and have the information kind of at your fingertips ready to go so you don't miss um, that opportunity. It's just another one of those things you need to do. It is the way that it is. Then, next step, number four, practice that pitch. So we have a great uh, outline that we're going to link into our show notes that Career Contessa refers to as the gimme. And this is one of those situations where you have to have kind of an outline. Yeah. Walk into it. You're not going to go into a work presentation without having done the, the work. And so all of these other three steps that we've listed essentially create the perfect pitch that you're going to be able to present to your boss, HR, your manager, whoever it is that you're talking to, the car dealership. <laughs> Vacation planner, whatever it is. <laughs> um, but you want to be able to look at it from the context of preparedness, practice, stand in front of the mirror and and get that work in. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's a huge one for so many things. I mean, if you're interviewing for a job, if you're asking someone out on a date, like all those things, obviously very different from negotiating a raise of any kind, but all things that you want to be like a smooth sailing type of situation. You don't want to be like floundering. You don't want to be flustered. Um, That should be like a well oiled monologue that you can kind of just go in and do. And then, you know, once it's memorized, throw in the inflection, throw in the extra zazazoo. Like that's when that all comes into play, right? Am I right? (laughs) So right. Because you need to hear it come out of your mouth before you're comfortable saying it. Yeah. And it's in... I guess it's also that moment when you're like, the more you say it, maybe the more you'll believe it. Yeah. And if you're like, I don't know if this is for me. I don't know if I should do this. Like, you work out all of those insecure kinks, the more you're practicing it. And it just, it's, you start to believe. It's like an affirmation. Like, the more you say it, you're like, that is now ingrained. It's like that from the um, badass book. And when you say love yourself at the end of every chapter, you're going to start to feel like a freaking superhero because you actually believe it. So if you're talking about the perfect pitch and how to ask for what you know you deserved based on your work, then you'll start to actually ingrain it in your system. And that is a really exciting thing to feel. Like you feel like the whole world is like just in your hands. Exactly. <laughs> and it's awesome. And it's super awesome. Number five. Now's the time where you set the meeting. Yes. So you've done the legwork. You're ready to go. You're making it happen. Now walk into that room with your power outfit on, whatever makes you confident. For sure. And sit down, ask for what you deserve. Power play. Yes. And I like and I agree with you about the power outfit. I mean, like, that's a real thing. And and don't just, like, throw on a suit because you think that that's the thing that someone wants to see. Like, I think that wearing something that makes you feel good and comfortable and confident is way more important than any suit you could pull off a rack. Like, if a suit's not your game, don't freaking wear a suit because you'll look uncomfortable and weird. I love a business dress. Yes. But what I'm, you know, boss statusing my life I love to wear a pant and a good heel. Yeah, I was just going to say, I, I can picture my go-to heels mm-hmm. because I'm like, I stand up straighter. I feel better. I feel like people take me more seriously when I'm wearing those. The shoes that I'm wearing right now, my mom calls interesting, which is like never a good sign when someone calls something interesting. And it's because they're flats and they're cozy and they're comfortable. But I wouldn't wear these into like really trying to do something important. These are my comfortable work mm-hmm. shoes. 
my heels that are sometimes a little uncomfortable are usually what makes me feel the best. Yeah, well, you've got to wear something uncomfortable to do something uncomfortable. Tag it. (laughs) Tag it and bag it. Here we go. Yeah. I love that. That's a tagline. I think we just created a tagline. Can we do that? Let's do it. We just did that. We you did just it. did that. I can't take credit for it. You celebrated it. We yes. It was that's a great what was it again? <laughs> can't repeat it. I forgot it. Well, it'll come back. <laughs> but I know it was good. Oh, I know what it was. It's now ingrained. It's there. But that's yeah, I think that that's such a hugely important piece of all of this is like feeling good too about how you look and some people might disagree with that but i think that's a really big piece of this is is feeling good all the way through internally and externally yes 100 percent um one of the things that i read that i really thought was important from an l magazine article and it comes to setting the meeting um in that like in that moment before you set it it's firstly like make what your expectation is for that meeting very clear like you don't want to walk in and surprise someone with like hey i'm gonna sit you down and ask for a raise like that's not how this goes mutual respect says giving the person that you need to ask for that a heads up that that's the conversation i mean that's what we talk about in fundraising like no one should ever be surprised by an ask it's it's super disrespectful um and it's just it's if you're afraid to put that out there prior to the conversation even happening maybe you should go back a couple steps and like start from step three versus going right to step five um but one of the things a woman talked about in this l article was that it's like understanding that your boss is not necessarily always the gatekeeper of more money more vacation time more flexibility there are other people kind of at play that need to be considered in that process so if it is a let me get back to you on that it's not a no it's not a no, uh, but being respectful and understanding through that entire process is so important because you don't want to like fly off the handle and then have someone be like, oh, wow, like she didn't get what she wanted and now she's freaking out about it. Um, if you don't get the answer that you want, I think like holding it and asking questions, thoughtful questions that like, and I think this comes back to like practicing your perfect pitch also comes down to practicing what your alternative answers will be, um, depending on what the conversation starts to look like. Um, So I thought that was a really good piece of advice. Something that we talked about earlier about like, it's not personal. Like it's really hard to keep that in mind for the entirety of a conversation that is about you and what you are accomplishing, but taking yourself out of it and understanding that the person you're talking to doesn't always get the last say and, and internalizing that and really understanding it throughout that conversation is so important about how it goes and what it sounds like and what your face looks like. Like check your face. I have a very expressive face when I'm not happy. Most people know about it. And it's something that I've been intentionally working on, but that's another thing that if you're practicing your pitch in the mirror, like look at what your face looks like when you're talking to someone. Um, it's something that goes fairly unnoticed. I think sometimes I feel like another thing that might be a good idea is to sit down and have your like practice it with your friend and maybe even like record it like totally grab your you know little tripod for your iphone and make it happen yeah and then your friend can like throw some like curveball questions at you it's like practicing for an interview like yeah have them throw something at you that you might not be expecting and like fly from there and see how you handle like kind of an improv situation because you have no you might not know how this is really gonna go um but i think that it is a really important thing to do that prepare and practice is like 
forever the mantra, forever the mantra. Hands down. And I think to your point too, when you're in the mode of the meeting and they're like, let me get back to you or like, here's the counter offer, know that a counter offer is coming. And that's where you have to go back and think about your non-negotiables and yep. say, you can sleep on it, ask questions or like if they give you a hard no. So this is another thing that might come into play is like, if they give you a hard no, it's like, and they give you a reason for like, you're because of X, Y, and Z reasons associated with, you know, the last project you worked on or your performance was um, sour in the last quarter. So then that's an opportunity for you to ask, what are the specific things that I need to work on so that I can make this ask in the next time frame, in the next quarter? When can I improve? What can I improve upon? And what's the time frame look at for this to like, because that's the thing is like, if it is a no, mm-hmm. then there are things that, and it's based on performance, then there's an opportunity for you to have a very frank conversation with your manager about what it is that you need to be working on. Yeah. And that again, that time frame of like, when can I reapproach you about this? Because this isn't just, and again, in a nicer way than I'm about to say it, but like, this isn't going to just go away. Like, I'm, I, I really want to improve. I really want to see this through. So when can I come back and talk to you about this again? Um, 100%. And putting that all on the table and, and being frank, confident, ready, prepared, but not apologetic and not angry and not like, you know, getting all over the place and all flustered. I mean, it's really easy to get flustered when you're having a difficult conversation, but you've practiced. So you're ready and you're prepared for anything. That's right. Super important. Well, we've got work to do. If anybody has any additional tips, we'd love to hear them. Mm -hmm. Um, Share it with us on social, but we are feeling super confident about what we've covered and i'm ready to go buy a car yeah i'm ready to plan another vacation (laughs) just kidding we already did that go us (laughs) booked paid for done ready to go (laughs) all right shall we break let's break feeling like a queen yet find us on instagram and twitter at queen underscore speaking and tell us all about it and episode links and show notes at queenspeaking.com. See you next week.